Welcome to the art and science of complex sales. You've joined us in the coaching quarter. This podcast is dedicated to elevating the sales profession. Our listeners range from first-time salespeople to seasoned sales leaders and driven CEOs. They all come to learn from the best in the business. As we interview top sales transformation specialists, go-to-market leaders, revenue thought leaders, and more with only one question on our minds, how we get better together. This 12-episode quarter brought to you by Membrane.com will start to hone in on a key element in performance, sales coaching. Each of our guests speaks to this a bit differently and brings their own unique take, but all cover the topic, how to execute, and the exponential impact it makes. So let's start shining bright and get kicked off with today's guest. Today, we're taking a bit of a different angle. We're not just talking sales, we're talking business and growth transformation. Chris McAllister, CEO and founder of SightShift, is author of six books, including Figure That Shift Out and The Stuck Book. His focus is on helping business leaders shift themselves to drive organizational change. And his passion project that is also his business is to develop healthy leaders that build scalable teams and create growth cultures. In today's episode, we go all over the leadership and coaching spectrum, including diving into one question that is critical to sales that we must be coaching on. And that question is, are you selling for affirmation or are you selling for impact? So let's get started with Chris. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Pumped to be here and hang with you. Looking forward to it. Well, I'm I'm really excited about this. We've been talking about it for a while, uh, and I love the take that we're going to be bringing to sales today, and really diving into leadership and coaching, and and uh, I think it's going to be a huge, huge win for everybody that listens. So, but we're going to get started a little bit differently. Usually, I ask people to to, to define sales, but Chris, I'm going to start with your background. So, if it, do you mind uh, diving into your background? You're you're heavy into leadership these days and leadership coaching, uh, but that came from a really special place. Yeah, yeah. The big shifts often come through big pains, right? So a lot of years in leadership, public leadership, nonprofit leadership, third owner of a real estate development corporation, and uh, had had some success in real estate. And then you think you know it all. And and at 25 years old, you know, 21 years ago, like sign a personal guarantee of a million dollars and we're going to be successful. And we were, it was working, but I was not aware enough at that time to know how much of the market forces were affecting that, how Really, I didn't know so much. There was so much I didn't know. And so fast forward, we had gone from our second custom built dream home to I'm literally about to get evicted from a place that we're renting because we just lost it all. Plus seven figures real assets uh, to negative six figures of debt. And you get what happens in these moments, this undoing. And I've always been able to kind of like apply effort and energy to fix my problems. We could say it this way, bring enthusiasm to sell my way out of a problem. And none of that was working. And so uh, obsessed about leadership, another leadership book wouldn't do it. You know, another hype faddish TED talk wouldn't do it. I had to get deep, deep, deep and realize there was a big shift. I can put it in this language now, a big shift that had to occur within me. And so excited to be here today and maybe help some of your listeners have that same shift. Well, and you actually, so you say another book wouldn't do it. Reading another book, you actually created a book. You created a, a whole training platform around it with SightShift. And um, I'm fascinated. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that with, with the listeners? Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the core of it, it's this idea. What I became aware of was that I was really leading 
and living my life for my own validation, not the impact I could have. And so you could frame this in the in the context of sales. This is somebody who's showing up to the conversation with the customer or client or the potential customer. And they're more about their enthusiasm than attuning to who that person is and what they need. And and I just was living my life that way. I mean, at the time, and I was doing some speaking and, uh, you know, the, the seating capacity of who I would speak to would be the basis of my worth. Was I winning? Was I achieving? Uh, was I doing the big business deals I wanted to? And so as I learned really how much I was leading for my own validation more than impact, this just took me, you know, it's like you pull that thread a little bit and then, you know, the whole spool of yarn comes undone. I started to see how this spilled into so many parts of my life. And as I started to like cobble together ways of talking about this, things that I would do that were helping me really shift at the at the mindset level, not from a pressure way, but a but a real deep transformation way. My friends just started asking me for help and uh, started helping some of my friends and 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 literally was kind of drawn into uh, working with others with this as a process. And so yeah, we put it into a book and we've got a coaching process we take people through. We certify coaches in this process because we know if you can shift from leading for validation, to impact, what that does is you're able to make meaning in all the moments of your life. You can discern direction in all the complexity and chaos, and you can continually renew and advance relationships. And those are really the three meta skills of what it means to lead for impact, not just validation. Well, and I want to tie this to I listeners of the program know I have a very specific uh, definition of sales. And this, this actually ties directly, this talk ties directly to that, which is I, I believe that sales is a service, which is helping, helping people get what they need, even if they don't know mm-hmm. they need it. I believe it's leadership, helping an organization and a, an individual and in an organization execute upon a vision, right? Because if, if you're not doing that, you're just selling a product. And I think it's wayfinding, which is finding our way to do that together, right? Mm-hmm. So to tie those three things together. And, and obviously there's the, there's a bunch of skills components to it. There's a ton of process. There's a ton of methodology, but when I got to the heart of the definition, I really thought there. So this really speaks to me in terms of this idea of leading for impact versus what, how did you say it? Lead for in, yeah. lead to fulfill my own insecurities. Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah, you could say it that way. You could say lead for impact, sell for impact, or lead for validation, sell for validation. So you think about this person who is selling for validation, you know, it's just right racking up the achievements. So they feel like they fit in or belong to a certain level of sales influencer, you know, accomplishment. You know, for them, maybe they're enthusiastic about whatever it is that they're pushing as a solution. They don't know how to be in that space like you're talking about where you're guiding them through and you're coming to this shared conclusion together. And we can define the insecurities, you know, very specifically, actually. We we measure them. We have a tool to do it. But ultimately, it is our insecurities, and we all have them, and none of us have perfectly arrived, that cause us to show up in moments where we lead for validation more than impact. We are leading for what we can get out of it versus what we can give to it. It's a lot. <laughs> say, that, say that again. We're leading yeah, yeah. for what we're we can for... get out of it. You know, I'm going to 
I, I'm going to get something from this that I'm looking for to to make me whole, uh, and and that's finally going to answer the things that the doubts that I feel about myself. So I doubt that I have what it takes. Well, look at my close rate. I doubt, and and people would never consciously necessarily word it this way, but this is what's core. I doubt that. I'm going to be taken care of and my needs are important. So I'm going to obsessively make sure I meet the need of the potential client or customer, right? So let's just blow out that one profile. When when that's the insecurity that drives you, how you show up in sales is a lack of healthy boundaries. So whatever they ask, you say yes to. And so now you're actually training the customer to treat you or the potential client to treat you in a way that's terrible. You're constantly training people how to treat you. So you don't have healthy boundaries. You don't know how to say no. You don't how to know how to guide and lead them to the best interaction they can have with you. And then at the end of the interaction, you resent them for the way they took advantage of you. But yet you were the one that allowed that to happen because again, your insecurity caused you to lead in that sales transaction or relationship in a way that you were leading for your own validation, not impact. You wanted to feel good about yourself by how available you were. You could take the other side of that, and these are just two of a number of profiles that we have, where someone is too rigid with their boundaries. They're afraid the potential customer or client is going to take advantage of them in some way, right? And so then they are, they, they don't, there's not a sense of, fluidity or permeability to their boundaries. They're just like these iron fences with tons of barbed wire, right? And they don't understand why they can't make an emotional connection with the potential client in sales. What's happening there? Their insecurities that they're going to be taken advantage of or that they're going to lose power cause them to be too aggressive. So then they lead or sell for validation, not impact. So these are just a couple of profiles. We can blow them out in a lot of different ways, but that's the idea of what it looks like. Well, I'd, I'd actually like to blow out a number of them. Um, I'd like to dive into this idea um, leading for impact because there's some in the sales world, if you're, you've been in the sales world for a while, especially things like in SaaS sales, we, we have these, uh, uh, you have a bunch of thought leaders that are coming out and they're saying it's not return on investment that somebody's looking for you. It's it's you're they're looking for impact. They're looking for impact. They're looking for impact. Or the, the actual measure that you should have is impact uh, for the client. There's a really interesting thing there, though, that I think you can't start having. You can't truly make an impact for someone unless you figure out how to lead yourself mm-hmm. uh, and how to dive in into yourself. So this is. And maybe I'm, you know, that's just my my two cents on it. You've done a lot more research on that. But what are some of the other things that you're seeing that are really impacting organizations and leaders and salespeople like that need for that need for validation, that need for approval? What are the other mm-hmm. type of insecurities? Yeah. Well, and and to contextualize this, the insecurities often get distorted in sales leadership based on the insecurities of the CEO or the executive team. So, you know, where I tend to interact with directly with clients is working with the CEO, founder, owner, our organization is is serving organizations at scale. And so, you know, we're doing multi six figure engagements over a number of years or whatever. These are these are complex deals, if you will. 
And when we walk through these, you can tell very quickly how the CEO, founder, owner, or the chief revenue officer approaches sales from the perspective of the narrative in their mind, right? So they may think sales is just a place where you throw a bunch of money at them and the strongest one will win, right? So so it's their approach that's going to shape what tends to be the reigning insecurity in the sales division. But let's 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 give you an example of this in a way that everybody could find themselves in. So let's say VP of sales comes into the sales department meeting and goes, she goes, guys, I don't know what's going on, but we're having, you know, a 30% drop off rate from where we used to close in stage three of the process. We need to figure this out before we leave this room. I got to go to a meeting. I'll be back and, and we're going to figure this out. Now, of course, this assumes a lot. One, that they even have a sales process, <laughs> right? Which we know that as our friend James uh, Rory's talks about, you know, you you cannot build around your heroes. You have to have the system in place. Um, and a ton of why he and I jam so deeply um, is because his approach to to sales, the wins model, positions you in mindset and skill set to be that servant leader. Um, but VP of sales says, we got to figure this out. I'll be back. Now here's what's happening in everybody that's in that room. It doesn't matter whether there's 30 people in the room or three people in the room. They are not hearing that event through anything other than their own insecurities and they don't even know it. So people aren't hearing that event like Michael Scott on the office. There was a clip where uh, the CFO at one point is under deposition and he goes, no, I wasn't going to hire Michael for that. He's my friend, but he's inept. And the next scene, Michael's standing over him and he comes near him and you feel the dramatic tension and he puts his hand out to shake his hand. And he goes, you're my friend too. So Michael didn't hear the ineptness. He heard, you're my friend. Um, we were working with a... Uh, uh, the coffee distributor and uh, they also had a flagship store and I'd placed an order and the owner, one of the owners had like custom fixed me this drink. It was really cool. And he said to the barista, he goes, that's for the bald gentleman over there, like under his breath, didn't know I could hear it. And I was like, I'm bald. <laughs> you know, of course I am bald for those that are listening to it. But Paul's what's funny about that is like, that was the distinguishing thing that I heard. And, uh, you know, I didn't hear gentlemen, right? I am a gentleman, you know, whatever. So the VP of sales, she says, we got to figure this out. Everybody's hearing that at a subconscious level out of the insecurity of their identity. Like this. I knew I knew I wasn't going to be able to make this opportunity work. I, you know, the last three times I've had to transition off these teams because because I just can't get it done. There's something in their mindset that they believe they sabotage good opportunities. Or if I could just find the right actions to take, I'm going to keep looking for the person who can give me a wrong and right definitiveness for how to be in this space. I'll finally be the sales leader I want to be. Or... Yeah, you know, and again, not consciously thinking this, but this is what's happening. If we could give their ego a personification, look at you. You're never going to fit in with this level of sales leadership. This is, this is it. 
This is this is why you don't fit in anywhere, right? This is why you can't get belonging in all the places you want to belong. If I could just master this, if I could just master this, I'd finally show everyone I have what it takes. You know, some have an achievement insecurity and they're activated by the stress, but they've got to prove that they're a winner. And so very often they will force and hype their way through something. You know, so these are just a number of these. And and for us, we have a tool that measures this so we can look at it to a percentage point. What are the insecurities driving your mindset that keep you selling or leading for validation, not impact? So that VP of sales has no idea the grenades that are going off in people's hearts and minds. She comes back into the room. And, and now can you really get really great work done? Well, no, because what's happening out of those insecurities, people start posturing. Our language is they start proving and hiding. They hide from the truth they need to tell. They overinflate and prove and try to make themselves sound better. They gloss over the details they need to really focus on. So, so we might get to a place that we get good work done, but it's going to take like way, way, way longer because all this insecurity is in the room. Does that help color that picture in more? No, it helps. It helps color it in a ton. To be honest, it sounds like you're bringing an impossible, an impossible problem to solve, though, right? Mm. So it, it it seems to like I hear that, and I'm like, yeah, I've been in those rooms. Yeah, I, hell, I've led those rooms. I've, yeah, yeah. So where do you even start looking at? You got you got a team of ten people that are looking at you, and they're saying, okay, well, I know that I need to lead for. Most of them are saying, I got a number to hit. Yep. Right. I got a family to feed. I got to, you know, do the best I possibly can. And this person just came in here and said, you're not doing it. Right. And most of them just look inward and say, like exactly what you're saying, but they look inward and they say, how do I filter this? Oh, well, I'll just go work harder. I'll go do this. I'll go do this. I'll go do this. I I turn off the listening, but how do you solve that problem? Like, where do you, where do you even start? Oh, I love that. I love that question. And and I want to emphasize none of this comes from an ivory tower in the sense that, yes, there is real academic research behind our work. Yes, there's real research behind like what's worked for thousands of years. And more importantly, come on, people, it's street level research. Like this is why I love interacting with sales leaders, because, um, you know, none of this is from an ivory tower. I got to live this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I launched SightShift as a company, and then I started doing that work full time. We weren't out of our mess yet. And I thought our housing was stable and secure. Come to find out it wasn't. I had sold a car to get operating expenses. And literally a friend would pick me up, drop me off in a part of town where I would do meetings. And I would Uber home doing phone calls. And when I first was like starting it and doing the meetings, I was doing them at a cafe but I didn't really have any meetings book, Paul. I mean, I was just going. It was the network from zero, nothing. So to be able to show up and make something out of nothing, hit these numbers, deliver, it's why I love interacting with sales leaders so much because there's no high and lofty like, hey, maybe this will work, maybe it won't, but we got to go back to our job. It's like, we got to hit this number. If we don't hit this number, we don't eat. You know, mm-hmm. my kids got to get fed. So here's the idea. This is the best way. It, it does feel like an impossible problem to solve, which is kind of why it captivated me. I'm captivated by hard problems. You have to be able to solve it 
under pressure. You don't solve it by being a monk and saying, I'm checking out, I'm leaving. You know, most people in sales leadership do not have the luxury or a runway to say, I'm going to check out a life for six, nine months, a year, two years, and then I'm going to come back. You have to learn to be transformed under the pressure. You have to learn to grow under the pressure. And paradoxically, the pressure is the greatest learning point, right? If being a monk would fix you and make you whole, then tons more monks would build great teams and families because they would stand up and go, I'm done. And then go start a company, you know, (laughs) start a team. But instead, they're not. They keep on looking for something. So the step one, step one is just awareness. Just noticing when you feel weakness within yourself. Mm-hmm. When you start to feel that tendency to, to push, to hype, to prove. It's, it's an energy and it's not subtle once you notice it. I mean, you start to feel it rising up in your ankles or your stomach or the back of your head. And some are on that extreme of the the pushing or the proving or the hype. Some are on the other side. They just tolerate, avoid, hide. And, and this is the struggle for all of us. Literally, I have probably three or five sales actions on my to-do list for today that I had assigned to myself Monday. It's now Thursday when we record this. And sometimes the heat of the end of the week, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> provides that fire. I need to take it, it is it is hard for all of us to show up to our lives in a way that we're just aware. And that's the starting point. I don't want to lead for validation. I don't want to lead in such a way that I'm saying to the client, the customer, my company, and the awards I get, would you please put something in the cup of who I am? Instead, I'm there to sell or lead for impact. I'm there to pour something out. Now, the other side of this, the hiding part is where we go, don't take anything from me. I'm not going to risk. I'm not going to take that next step. I'm not going to expose myself because they may figure out I don't know what I'm doing. Which, who does know what they're doing, right? One step at a time. (laughs) So, yeah, hard problem to solve, but that's where it starts. What type of coaching, what type of, uh, it seems like a, a continual awareness, a continual building, a continual to be able to truly lead for impact. That's what it sounds like is, is you are, this is not a you thing, right? And it's not anything that, uh, you did on your own, Chris, like you, I'm sure you, you noticed it, but then you went out and you worked with people and understood people. And so what type of coaching and ongoing type of, I don't even know the question I'm asking, what type of coaching do people need to make this happen in their life? Or do they even know it need, need it? You know, you say awareness is the first problem. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people don't know they need it until extreme success is not enough, and we we see that. Or, like in my case, I wish I was smart enough to wake up when the success was when the success was extreme. I remember sitting on uh, the deck of this, you know, second custom built home we had, and the wraparound deck around a tree to the master bedroom porch, all the tile. I mean, I I oversaw this house like my identity was in it, like Kanye would. Mm -hmm. Uh, Six zone surround sound system. And I remember watching my kids play in the backyard and going, I thought this would feel better. Like, I've given everything to get here. So sometimes you got to wake up in that moment. 
I'm not that smart. Sometimes like me, you got to wake up when it all falls apart and you're at the bottom and you're like, oh man, everything was a house of cards because I didn't know who I was. And, you know, we think, we think we know who we are. And the quickest way to know that you don't know who you are is to ask yourself, who are you? And you can't use any roles you fulfill to describe yourself. You know, you don't get to use any roles. Well, whoa. So this beginning part of this process, most people don't know they need it uh, Mm -hmm. until they reach a place that the psychological term identity foreclosure, they went in too hard on something and they made that who they are. The, The college sports athlete that blows their knee out. Well, who am I now? The sales leader that hits the goals and or that doesn't, you know. So yeah, the coaching process is just this. What has happened in accounting, what has happened in financial, in the financial world, we have credit, we have debit, we have cash flow statements, we have PL, we have balance sheet, we have categorization and definable processes for healthy finances. We have not done that for leadership. And that's really sad because it is possible. And I'm not saying you know, that we have the perfect definition, but we've at least put a target on the wall and said, here are the skills of a world-class leader that's secure in who they are, whether it's at the executive level, sales level, or somebody being the best mom or dad they can be. Here's the skills, here's the mindset, and here's how to get there. And so our coaching uh, centers around our core program where we walk people through that. So what have you seen in terms of, let's take this back to salespeople and sales leaders for a minute. So, and I'm going to raise it back up to the high level uh, with the idea of, of leading and leaving, leading and selling for impact versus leading and selling for validation. Right. Yeah. So once you get somebody get to get across or past that and well, there is no past, right. We're works in progress, but what type of, changes are they making in their lives what type of successes are you seeing with that you mind sharing a little bit yeah well it depends on where they are so there's three domains we see people when we're working with large organizations and and large groups of people we we're working with a lot of emerging leaders young leaders for them to move from 20 percent of their effectiveness to 80 percent of their effectiveness is much easier right uh, so for them, it's going to look like they start to make decisions aware of where they're going to sabotage. They start to move in with greater clarity into their mission. Where are the places that they can show up and not have to play status games, but like, no, this is what I'm good at. Uh, so they start to get free of some of the maybe even social pressures they felt from how they were raised to be in a certain domain of you know, I should be this kind of leader. Well, you don't have to be. You can be awesome where you are. And it, and it starts to affect how they show up in relationships, right? They're able to be in the rhythm of give and take and renew relationships. Now, at the 80 to 95% expressed effectiveness, which I would guess would be a, a lot of your listeners, that just tends to be a larger group of people who are listening to a podcast like this and working on themselves. You know, they're going to see... um this mission start to really zero in around what are the things that they can do that people look at and go, oh my gosh, they were meant to do that. They start to see in decision-making 
how they can um, not just avoid self-sabotage, but really leverage into uh, the dreams that they have, the ambitions that they have with less effort. They start to relax more, right? It's like white knuckling, especially in sales, got you here, but it doesn't get you there. (laughs) And then in relationships, they are, of course, they're beyond transactional at this point, but they really start to not conform people to how they want them to show up. The way we like to say it is, they look at people not as a blank slate to be written on, but a painting to be studied. They start to get fascinated with the human race fascinated with the seven different kinds of clients that they might have or the three different kinds of prospects or, you know, they're not bored with their ideal buyer persona. They're like, they they really care about that person and they want to bring an end to their suffering. Impact, right? Uh, now, there's a special elite group of people that are at 95% of their effectiveness, right? So you think about like a Tom Brady quarterback. For him to get from 95 to 97% effective is such a harder fought for game. You know, it's way easier to hold the ball better than it is to just twist your pinky a little bit different. These are harder fought for gains. And at that level, when we work with people, um, it, it, it's still going to show up in these main domains, but they get mega lasered in on their mission. They know how the world is begging for them to show up. And they get complete alignment around that. Their decision-making, it's not so much about the leverage. It's about they're just able to ignore. They realize how much is noise. And they pay attention to those very few signals. And at the relationship level, this is the the afterglow of a commitment of people that they're investing themselves in. They become the kind of leader who develops other leaders. And it's almost like there's an explosive... Uh, dynamic energy about them doesn't mean they're extroverted. It can be extroverted or introverted, but in the way that they make waves of creating reverberating impact, developing leaders who develop leaders. So those are three different domains and that's pretty nerdy on my end, but that's, that's what it would look like to see those transformations. Uh, no, I, I mean, I got them and I'm not that, I'm not that sharp. So no, that, that's really, that's really fascinating. And one of the things that I, that last domain, which fascinates me. So that 20 to 80%, you're saying it takes it takes the same amount of effort generally to get from 20 to 80 as it does to get from 80 to 95 that it does from 95 to 97. Or is it even even increasing effort at the 95 to 97? It's like oh. it's just this continual development of yourself and your craft and your understanding of who you are and who you can be in in connection with others. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say it this way. You can get from 20 to 80% in a couple hours. Um, You can get from 80 to 95% in a dozen hours, you know, with our program, and it's a dozen hours. Uh, You can get from 95 to 98% in about four hours a month over 24 months. So it is a harder fought for gain to get to that elite level. Because the the changes are so much smaller and so nuanced, mm-hmm. and you are you're noticing so much more, and that's what you know. Any sales leader listening to this that wants to be the absolute best that they can be, by the time you're at that level, you're stacking on top of so many other learnings. So you can accelerate those learnings, and we definitely love doing that. 
but you still got to put in that work of coming back from that client meeting and thinking deeper about it than you ever have about what went right, what went wrong, how could it go better? If consciously you were ready to think all these thoughts, you would think them, right? Mm -hmm. But you've got to get introduced to new ideas that you will then see, and then you can't unsee it. And you're like, oh my gosh. When I first started out, my first coach, I had gone into a leadership meeting and came back and was reporting to him and breaking it down and getting feedback. And he said this to me, he goes, Chris, you walked in that meeting cocked and ready to fire on that idea. And Paul, when he said that, it was like a ton of bricks of awareness, right? That was me moving from that 20 to 80% effectiveness. Mm -hmm. um, so so you're, you're seeing and thinking things that you've never thought or seen before. And that isn't easy. That's a great coach. That's a great leader that can help you do that. How do people start to work with these concepts? Uh, is there a way that they could start to work with these concepts now? I mean, they grab your book. They can. How do they get introduced to them? Yeah, if you want, I hadn't thought about doing this before, but we could definitely put it in the show notes to hook up the the folks that are connected to you. We could give them access to our report. They're not going to be able to fully understand it, but at least mm -hmm. it would be like, oh my gosh, I have, I have some insecurity around this. It literally shows them their insecurity. And then they need co a coach to fully interpret it. Because again, you're thinking new thoughts. You're seeing new things. How many times have you taken a personality test and you're like, yep, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. um, much more powerful to take something that you go, I never thought about that before. You know, I don't know if that's true. I need to sit with that. So one, we could do that. Uh, two, yeah. We, of course, we've always got siteshift.com, shift.com. I put out more content than I should probably. We're doing a new series on YouTube right now, leadership is easy except for the people. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways through the podcast they could start to to put their toe in the water or jump in and uh, go, man, I want to be, I want to be elite. I want to get coached. And uh, you know, we know how to we know how to change a life. We just position them for their own life to change really. Uh, it's great work. Uh, great work. And thank you so much for coming on today. Anybody that needs needs more of a recommendation after listening to Chris. I, I just I've, I've been uh, an observer of the work for a long time, been able to watch it and it's just you know read the book. It's great stuff and I absolutely love it. I'm gonna take that insecurity test. Uh, I need you to send me that link. I'm gonna take it immediately. Maybe I publish those results and tell everybody on the podcast what I'm insecure about. <laughs> oh, well how about this? If you want I'm just reacting now. And so yeah. you can edit this out and then you can say no and nobody would ever know I said it. We'll do your results live and on air. Oh, shit. That would be great. Shoot. I mean, and, <laughs> and then you don't have to, I mean, we can record it and then you can decide if you want to publish it or not. That'd be sweet. And let's do it. So we're going to add that to the end of this. Okay. Right? So we're going we're gonna to stop here. I'm going to tell everybody to keep shining bright. But Chris, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to take those and we're going to do them together. And uh, now I'm a little bit frightened, but we are going to do it, which is going to be great. And we'll talk about them. Looking forward we'll to it. We'll make it a party. All right. Sounds like a plan, man. So, all right. I'm going to hit uh, pause. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Chris, thank you for, for bringing your light, your knowledge, your wisdom uh, to the table. And with that, we'll sign off from the Art and Science of Complex Sales. And uh, we'll be signing right back on very soon. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Art and Science of Complex Sales. 
Please take a moment, like, subscribe, share this podcast on all your favorite platforms, and let's get the word out. This podcast is proud to be brought to you by Membrane.com. We are the world's top B2B sales platform. And in the world of B2B sales, with everything from prospecting to business acquisition to managing complex growth, Membrane has the right size technology for your sales team. Our latest innovation, the Coaching Cockpit, empowers your leaders, managers, and team with the information and tools they need to take their skills to the next level and to take advantage of the exponential power of effective sales coaching. With our technology and the top team of sales partners around the world, Membrane is helping to achieve our driving vision. This is, quite simply, elevating the sales profession. To learn more, find us at www.membrane.com, that is M-E-M-B-R-A-I-N.com, or contact us via email at sales at membrane.com. Keep shining bright and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.